G'day ladies and gents, welcome back to Life of Mine, the go-to mining podcast. Matty Michael here. Now, today, oh, this is exciting. I'm presenting you the very first episode of the Entech Legends series, proudly brought to you by, yep, you guessed it, the crew at Entech, the number one international mining consultant specialist. For all your resource geology, mining, engineering, geotechnical and ventilation needs, go check them out at entechmining.com.au. Now, here's a fun fact about Entech. This may or may not be true. Their founder, Shane McClay, actually has a weekly conference meeting with the Australian Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. Thanks for getting on the life of mine train, Mackie, you're a legend. So... We'll go from this Entech love fest to now, what is the Legend series about? Well, I'll tell you what I'll be doing. I'll be conning as many old school mining legends into getting in front of the microphones to share the good old war stories about their mining careers back in the heyday. I'm sure everyone's like is like me because I love nothing more than sitting back and listening to the old school fellas spin yarns about what mining used to be. And for our first mining legend, well, Everyone's going to know him because he's, he's, he's done everything. He's worked all across Australia. He's even worked in France and he's worked in an underground power station in New Zealand. I'm talking about Dave Law, absolute legend of a, boat, of a bloke, Dave Law, and a legend of Aussie mining. He's done it all, shaft sinking, as I said, air legging in a New Zealand underground power station, decline foreman, project manager, operations manager for Elton, Barminko, ACM, 47 years of underground experience. He's retired now, and we look back at his unreal mining career and yarned about all the things that have changed in mining, I guess both for the better and maybe for the worse you're gonna love this so sit back and enjoy the first episode of the Entech Legends series with Dave Law here we go let's get into it That's the best sound to bloody start at every time. Nothing wrong with a can of beer, mate. <laughs> Beautiful. How's uh, mate, How's retirement? Good. Different than how you'd expect. Yeah, I suppose the first six or 12 months were, uh, that was pretty hard. I'd still wake up at quarter past four in the morning, expecting to go to work. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, it was, you know, but yeah. Uh, then I uh, started to do a bit of travelling, and that was good. Been to states a couple of times, and up oh, to yeah. Asia, and done a few really good trips. Really, got on a steamboat or one of them big paddle wheelers, and done a three-week trip down the Mississippi River from the top to the bottom. That was pretty good. Beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, once I started travelling around, that was good. Yeah, and then I travelled around Australia and went up north, done a lot of barramundi fishing up north, and. I done the trip from uh, Broome to Wyndham. That was that around the coast. Where's Wyndham? Is that up in the territory? The, on the Kimberley Quest, it's called. Yeah, right. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. it's a two-week boat trip. Oh, but right. That, that was good. You just fish every morning, fish every night, and drink a lot of beer and cruise <laughs> along. <laughs> oh, it was pretty good. You, but can't, then, you can't do it forever, but can you? Well, no, can you can't. And, yeah. uh, and then COVID hit and that was the end of it. Like, I mean, for a start, because I was over uh, 70 years old, I wasn't even allowed to leave home. Mm. So, you know, like, I mean, for the last 
well, 15 months we've been putting up with it now, haven't we, really, basically. Yeah, and don't I, know any uh, bloody difference. So you can't go anywhere. And it, like, I mean, you know, even if you want to go interstate, you know, there's no guarantee you can get back. And if you do, what are you going to do? Lock yourself up two weeks in some hotel in the city or something. Probably nearly drive you back to work. That was probably one place well, you could go. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, my son Martin, he uh, he said to me, oh, I need someone to drive a ute, you know, just running around doing little deliveries and that. So I've been doing that for six months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I enjoy it, you know, because it gives me something to get up for in the morning and tear around and meet a lot of people and spin a few yarns yeah yeah <laughs> run into a few of the old guys now and again you know at the different places when i'm dropping gear off you know for acm and all those sort of outfits it, it, it'd be like the bloody year all like the famous sportsmen and that when they retire from you know sports being their life for so long it's, it'd be the same with mine and wouldn't it when you yeah, retire it'd be it a is. bloody weird feeling it is it's hard you know and that sort of camaraderie you got with all your mates and everything you you know you miss all that because a lot of the guys they're all still working so you never see them you know and uh you know i i, I don't really know anybody outside of the mining industry like i was I was in it for 45, 47 years. You know? yeah, I don't right? know anybody 47? else. Jeez, that's, uh, that'd be up there with the, uh, mm. the longest tenures, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's a long time, all right. So, you know, like, I mean, and and the guys I do know that were in the industry that are retired, or the Kais friends anyway, you know, you know, one lives in Darwin, you know, others live over east now or down south and up north, you know. Not many of them stayed in the city, eh? Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, I suppose you're going, you, you'd be getting up at, um, as you said, you wake up at 4.30, but now you've got to cook your own bloody breakfast. You can't go to the mess and just pile it on anymore, <laughs> no, can you? No, 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 <laughs> no. That's the other thing, losing weight. Yeah. God, <laughs> mighty. But, uh, no, no, no. It's, you know, once I got used to used to it, you know, the, the retirement was all right. How long did it take, you reckon? How long was that? shitty little transition phase oh, from really missing it trying to for adjust. the first six months was yeah, was six hard months. yeah that was hard because i was living down tassie then too you know so uh you know all my best mates are over in the mainland you know so that's difficult so that's when i made up my mind i just sold a bunch of shares and cashed right up and buddy Started jumping on some aeroplanes and going all over the place. Oh, mm. yeah. What a bloody God. You, what a time to do it, but hey, <laughs> Wait till this COVID hits, mate. You'll have some bloody, uh, there'll be some flights getting booked pretty quick, I'd reckon. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting a bit past it now. I don't know. But uh, Young bloke mightn't let you go. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's got his courier driver down there. Yeah, yeah, well. Like smack transport, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so go, go. Let's go back forty-seven years ago. For, yeah, when well, you said, where was, the hell uh, did you well, start? Well, I was twenty-two when I first went down a shaft, and that, but that was uh, that was tunnels in Melbourne when they were putting all the big sewage tunnels underneath Melbourne and big overflow tunnel all the way down, you know, the Mornington Peninsula, and. Uh, 
I was in a hotel, actually, one Saturday afternoon, and a guy come in looking for men, you know. I said, oh, what are you doing? He says, oh, well, he said, we, we, we need guys to go down and work in tunnels and that. And I said, oh, what's that like? And he said, oh, he said, it's good fun, you know. Said, All right, I'll have a crack at that. So, so was this as you just just as you moved over from um, NZ, was yeah, it? No, I'd been here about mm, oh, nearly a year, I suppose. So I, well, I'm actually a pump, plumber by trade, and I was working on a big oil pipeline, you know, doing all the plumbing work on it. And, uh, and I thought, bugger it, I'll do something different. I'll have a change. Well, I suppose sewerage tunnels are appropriate fit if you're yeah, a plumber yeah, by trade. Yeah, if you yeah, think yeah. Of it, that it was way. just a move to a bigger pipe. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, when I got there, I actually quite enjoyed it. You know, we, uh, we, uh, like, I mean, it was a pretty big bloody tunnel. I can't remember now. It was, oh, Jesus, I don't know. It would have been 14, 15 foot in diameter, I suppose. And that uh, was all done with tunnel boring machine. But they were way ahead of where I was. I was actually on a crew that was uh, concrete lining it. And then they came through and uh, they were looking for volunteers to go into what they called high-pressure tunnelling. And that's where the ground's pretty shitty. And so what they do is they uh, build the pressure up inside the tunnel to stop the keep the water out and stop the walls from caving in. Oh, right. And it was a it was a fairly tough medical to get through that. I remember when I went for my medical, there was oh god, there was about fifty or sixty of us went to it, and only about fifteen or eighteen of us passed the medical. So I, I went into that, and it was uh, it was called uh, oh, you know the high high pressure group. And uh, sunk a couple of shafts and then we'd sort of tunnel out, you know, 300 metres each way. Then we would move out and a new crew would come in and start fitting all the uh, tunnel boring machine up, you know, and away they'd go. Yeah, right. So I'd done that for a couple of years and then I thought, oh, well, you know, I need a bit of a change and took a trip up north, right up to Cairns, worked my way, odd jobs and that, Greenvale Nickel. And then I got back to Sydney and then I started looking for another mining job and I got a job at uh, another sewerage tunnel at uh, Canberra. The, what was that called? Malongo, I think, you know, sewerage scheme. And that was about a seven-kilometre-long seven tunnel that we air-legged a lot. Yeah, right, seven k's. A yeah. big, big bloody tunnel, I was Oh, no, no, it wasn't that big. It was only about six foot six, I think, yeah, in right. diameter. Yeah. yeah, no, no. Be three of us in air legs and bore out a cut and fire it. Seven the, k's. Yeah, it started unreal. from each end though. Ah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there was uh, about five ventilation tunnels went up off that as well. Uh, rises, big rises, shafts, or whatever you wanted to call them. In them days. So you know, it was an interesting job too. You know, and uh, I was there for I don't know, a year or two. And then I got asked if I wanted to do a shaft sink. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll have a crack at that. Never done anything like that before. So there was a company out of uh, Wollongong who used to do a lot of shaft sinks in the coal fields up there, you know, down into the coal seams. So I uh, went up to a pl place called Douglas Park, which is up the back of Appen, up the back of Wollongong in the hills. And we put down uh, two 20-metre two, yeah, two shafts. 
20 metre, 20 foot shafts. That's a bit big, isn't it? <laughs> Two 20 foot shafts side by side, about 650 metres deep. Oh, shit, yeah. Do all the stonework underneath and then we'd all go away, you know, then, then the coal miners come in. Yeah, right. Yeah. So when you when you said you are doing the that first sewerage one with the air leg and all the shafts thing, was that yep. your... Um, was first real air leg job? Yeah, was that yep. was it similar to how they were doing it over here? Like, were you, did you get on like a traineeship with them, or like no. they just throw you on? No. You're into it. No, they just throw you with a group of blokes. Yeah. And most of the guys I worked with them days were all ex snowy mountain guys. Most of them were from Eastern Europe, or you know, were Croatians and yeah. Yugoslavs and Latvians, and so you know your place. <laughs> Oh, you know, really, I love those guys. You know, yeah. they were bloody good, mate. If you if if you got stuck in and worked hard with them, you got looked after, mate. Don't worry. Yeah, you know, but it goes the other way too. Oh well, if you went, you, if you were lazy, you wouldn't last two days, mate. Yeah, they would just kick you out. Yeah, you know, they wouldn't need the boss to do it. The guys would do it. So <laughs> 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 just don't get to piss off. Yeah, say so get out of here. We know it, you. Mm. Yeah, no, 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 that was good. You know, I enjoyed work. And, I, and low, some of those guys I met on that shaft sink there, I still know them today, yeah. you know. <coughs> we, travel, we travelled all over Australia doing shafts all over the place, you know. So uh, what time frame was this over? Like your whole, like, as you said, you, everyone probably knows well, you around here for your WA side of things. Yeah, you did well, a lot I, over I never really come across to Western Australia. I did in the early 80s to do a shaft sink at uh, Q, the Golden Crown. I was a shift boss on the shaft sink there. And uh, we'd done all level development, you know, exploration rises, stuff like that. And I was there for, I don't know, two years, two and a half years. Then I went back east to do another shaft and uh, Brian Roden gave me a phone call asked me if I wanted to come over to WA. And uh, so I said, oh, yeah, all right. I said, I'll come. I don't know about the wife. The wife, she wasn't very happy because I just built a home, actually, in Newcastle, just south of Newcastle, in Lake Macquarie. Yeah. And she yeah, wasn't very happy about Yeah, no, it is a beautiful part of the world. Mm. So, yeah. But in, in the meantime, and... 1977, I uh, I actually went to New Zealand because I was offered a job on a new underground power station that was getting built. And I thought, because a lot of the work I was doing then was all civil mining, you know, not, not like it is over here. And I thought, well, shit, that would be interesting. So I went over there and I spent two years there yep. on a big underground power station. Now that was really interesting work. You know. what, what are we talking about? What's an, what, what, what does an underground power station look like? Well, the main cavern, I suppose, was probably, I don't know, 50 or 60 metres long, probably 20 metres high, probably 20 metres wide. So as in like a big excavation, like but, a big mass bloody hole. Oh, yeah, it's bloody huge. And then yeah. you've, like, you know, you've got all your pen stocks coming down into it, but instead of like you see them on a damn wall, they're actually internal, you know, in the rock, through all the rock. Yeah, right. And then yeah. you've got, you know, then you've got all your service tunnels that go around the top of it, around about halfway down the main cavern, all your, you know, your access drives, you've got all your uh, tail race tunnel, you know, for the water to get out of it again. 
Uh, it was it was pretty involved. Is that still up and running these days? Oh, oh yeah, that power yeah, station, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have wanted to pay for all yeah. that work. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. no, I'd, God knows how much a bloody cost, but yeah, yeah. But all those big cabins and that, all those uh, we done all them with all air leg, a whole lot, even putting in six metre rock bolts, all with air leg. Yeah, right. Yeah, extension yeah. steels, a whole bloody lot. Yeah, yeah. Six but metre rock bolts. They had one pneumatic jumbo on that site. It was a uh, an air powered Atlas Copco. It was a new machine, but still air powered them days. Mm. And uh, basically, it only just drilled benches and stuff like that. Yeah. All the other development drives and everything were done done the whole lot with air legs. Yeah, right. How do you wait, so when you say a six metre rock bolt like a cable bolt or a split like a friction no, no, bolt? No, or? they're uh, they're uh, solid steel bars yeah. with a hole up the centre of them so you could grout them with a anchor on the end of them okay. and you screw them together. Yep. And push them up six metre hole. I think they were uh there was they were it was a pattern, but I think it was some some were six metres and some were four metres. You know, four meter, six meter, four meter, six meter. You know, yeah, like that. And then you tension them up, you know, and then uh, grout them. Yeah, right. How do you yeah. go bloody drilling a bloody six meter hole with an air leg? Oh. You get a few steels stuck up. Like, or could it go horribly wrong pretty easily? No, oh, no. The rock wasn't too bad, really. You know, you went through it all right. I yeah. can't even remember what they called it now. It was that bloody long ago. But no, they they were all good guys, and you know. Talking about jumbos, that that was uh, I worked on what they called a jumbo. There, it was a big drive we we're putting into where the penstocks were going to go. They had they were putting Alamac, you know, climbers in there to do the penstocks, and we had to put a big uh, tunnel into there, you know, to get access to it. And the what they called a jumbo there was an old Euclid dump truck. And it had uh, wooden decks on it and arms that folded down on the side that were all made of wood. And we used to back that in the drive, you know, and uh, fold everything down on it. There used to be three guys on the top level. I think there were five guys on the centre level and four of us on the bottom. And uh, all with air legs. Yeah. And we'd bore an eight-foot cut, charge the holes and then throw everything back on the truck and drive yeah, around right. again. And that was our jumbo. <laughs> how cool is that? But you'd be surprised yeah. just how quick, you know, yeah, we could bore that out quicker than what you could with a new jumbo nowadays. Yeah, right. What did you say? What was that? So, about, what, 12 air-leggers, was it? On the, uh, on this bloody, yeah, there was five, three, five, five and four. Five and four was nine, about 13 guys on there. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the middle guy on the middle deck always bored the cut. Yeah. And everybody around him, uh, I had about six holes to bore. Yeah. You know, because I'd, I'd be on the side in the lifters, you know. And I can mean the bloody rocks raining down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be. Oh, you'd have to is that, is that like the natural progression through the ranking there once yeah, you got yeah. to the you top start, level? You started on the lifters and you worked <laughs> yeah, your way up yeah. the top or at the cup, you know, something yeah. like that. And that's how it worked. But you'd be surprised, you know, we'd back that truck in there, mate, and we, we, we'd bore that out. Less than an hour, we'd be pushing the button on it. Yeah, yeah. And no worries, mate. And uh, I suppose yeah. what though, because I probably just drilling and charging all at the same oh, time. Oh yeah, were of course you? you did. Yeah, yeah. You know, them days, no one gave a bugger about that. Yeah, you know, all the holes you drilled, you charged. Yeah, you know, and there were guys bringing all the gear up for you and everything. You know, 
So when that truck pulled out from the face, you know, all your leg wires would be hooked up, you know, and series all ready to go, mate. Yeah, right. That's unreal. How Drive. much bloody? How big's the bloody compressor they had born? A lot of air, lot of air to supply. Oh bloody. yeah, no, but they, that was a big, huge site. They had massive gear everywhere, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's all bloody government paid for. So, <laughs> you know, bigger is better. Yeah, <laughs> that's a when you said um like charging back then um was that was it all fuses or how did no, how no, it, electric that, debts yeah yeah i've used fuses though but uh not not so much in australia yeah but yeah you know, now and again you'd use the money now and again if you know something a little bit different yeah but mainly uh electric debts and what, you know? what were the electric debts like how did they work back then compared to compared to how we charge now with the non-L tubes and everything. How did the electric deck well, – how did you? T- how did they all get timed? Uh, well, yeah, they, they they had a time in them. Oh, they yeah, so yeah. each electric deck yeah, had yeah. a time on yeah, them. Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. I'll get you yeah. now. Yeah. And you could hook them up in series or in parallel, however you like. A lot of guys, uh, a lot of places where you work would rather do it in parallel because then all you got to do is run a couple of buzz wires around your face and then just, hook, you know, your red and your green to the – yeah, right. To the buzz wire, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and that was probably, you know, less chance of a mistake if if you charged that way. Whereas if you're hooking them up in series, you know, you had to make sure that each one followed the other yeah. so that the charge went right through everything, you know. Yeah, Otherwise, right. you'd get misfires everywhere. And Was know, there any but, difference between hooking up series and parallel? Was it better to hook up in series or anything or...? What was oh, going? well, if you're in a small face, you know, series is probably the best. But if you've got a big face, you know, hooking up in parallel was better, yeah. much better. Less chance of a mistake and it was easy for the guys to do, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I first used 9Ls in the early 80s and in, in, uh, Q, that golden crown I was telling you about. That was when I first saw them and uh, we, we liked them. You know, there was a bit of a drama for a start because they told you to bunch them and, you know, we'd, we'd quite often we'd get the misfires and that. But when we learned, you know, clip them all on separately and all that type of thing, <coughs> all the misfires went away then, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 They're, they're still think the 9Ls are the way to go. Yeah, oh, yeah. you still get bloody misfires every now and then. I found that you... You you find they uh you get misfires when they don't get clipped on at all. That's, <laughs> the That's about I- the only time you'd get a misfire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you? So what happened with the when old Mister Roden offered you the job to come over to um Elton's, I assume was it? Yeah. What um? Well, so you made the trek, well, but you kept I'd the house over there. With Brian, long before that, in uh, nineteen seventy nine, we got a job. Uh, Tissen Mining, have you heard of them? Tissen no. Mining. No. Well, they were quite big contractors in Australia, sunk a lot of shafts and done odd jobs. And they got a contract to put two declines down. This was for a new coal mine, you know. So they got all the stonework contract, you know, put a shaft down and two declines, one and three down. So they're like this. One and three. Yeah. Shit. And from memory, I think, uh, oh, God. They wouldn't have been six metres wide. They were about four and a half metres wide and about three three metres high, I suppose. And we air-legged them all the way. Bloody One in three hell. down. Yeah. One in three down. And that's where I first met Brian. He was on an air-leg there too. Yeah. 
and that's when we first started working together. So that was about 1979. Yeah, right. How yeah. the hell do you mind a one in three decline bloody. just in general or with an air leg especially? <laughs> that's unbelievable. Uh, it's bloody hard work, mate, believe me. Yeah. Uh, pulling them lifters back out, I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, but no, no. We like would half bog around out and leave a pad there, do the top holes off that, yep. and then complete the bog out and then uh, finish her off. Yeah, right. Yeah. How did they run pumps back then? What were they all air pumps together? Yeah. Yeah. Not not much electricity them days, mate. Mm. Bugger all. But what we had there was a rail following us down. We brought rail down with us on the left-hand side with a, about a 10-ton skip, I suppose, and it was hooked onto a winder on the surface. And we had a thing they called an IMCO 650 little track bogger, IMCOs. And they had a winch on the back of them. And uh, you had a snatch block, you know, probably 20 metres back up your decline, and you hooked onto that with this. So when the machine went down and picked up a bucket full, just push a button on the IMCO and the winch would pull you back up. Yeah, right. Yeah. Work yourself into the skip on the side because the skip was about uh, six metres long, you know, yeah. and just side tip into that, and that's how you bogged it out. Yeah, right. And that, that was pretty quick too. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And it's all on such as you said, it's a lot smaller scale. Would say four and a half by yeah, three. There. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So when did the was that sort of the or when you come over for the job with Brian? When yeah. when you? Uh, well, I done. Went, I went away and done. No, after that job, we went to Elura and Cobar. I think they call it something else now, don't they? What's the mine just out of Cobar? God. Oh, shit, there's Peak, isn't there? There's yeah, peak not Peak, then... out the other way. Um, CSA? No, the... further out of town. God, it's yeah. got a new name now. Yeah, oh, that's but, about uh, my knowledge. We've done the decline there, Brian and me. Worked on that. And it was, uh, we actually had like a, uh, it was called a Paratlas machine, but it was like a big Dosco because it was really soft ground for the first, I don't know, kilometre, 1,200 metres, I suppose. And then, uh, then we went to jumbos, and that's the first time I saw an electric hydraulic jumbo. Yeah. So that was about, I don't know, 81. A bit like different that. to the ones these days. There's about 20, 20 bloody levers each side or something, wasn't there? You better bloody believe it, mate. <laughs> it was a, uh, I think it was a SIG, and I'm not sure whether this is right or not, but I'm pretty sure that someone told us that that rig had actually been around Cambolder somewhere as a tryout thing. And the, like, you know, when Jumbos first started turning up on the scene and uh, it had a power cable on it that was probably three and a half inches, 75 mil or more in diameter. Yeah. And we used to figure eight it on the side of the thing. <coughs> and that Jumbo was on crawler tracks. So it was as slow as all hell to move. <laughs> And you basically had to have a fitter on it all the time and a sparky on it all the time to keep it going. Yeah. When it was boring, you could bore like hell, but uh, that didn't happen too often. <laughs> was it? Was everyone? Uh, was it like bloody going from video to DVD? When was everyone thinking? Oh, why don't we just keep air legging? Was there a bit of a transition to getting everyone's belief towards the mechanised way of development compared to air legging? No, I think all the guys were pretty keen to see all that sort of stuff. You know, not long, that was the first jumbo that came on site. The next one that came on site was a rubber-tied SIG also, electric hydraulic, 
And that was starting to look like, you know, what a jumbo looks like now, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was okay. Just a ball, right? But, you know, you couldn't turn sharp or anything with it. The bloody thing would fall over. And, you know, they've progressed a long way over the years, mate, believe me. <laughs> They're pretty phenomenal. They're phenomenal machines now, that's for sure. Like oh, it's, yeah. uh, those, especially yep. the new drifters and everything, how quick, yep. quick they bore and everything. Yep. Yep. Unreal sound. Yeah. But then there's more. Um, there's that many more features in them these days. Well, you need good bloody fitters and all those. But all those sparkies do more work than the fitters these days. Yeah, well, it's, no. um, you know they are complicated now. The trouble is all that stuff now. Even you know, it's all developed. You know, in places in Europe. You know, mm. and they just don't get the conditions that we get in Australia when you're underground. I don't even have to put mesh up or anything over there. It's just all bare rock, solid as anything, I think. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, a lot of that, you know, those new rules were coming in. This was in the late 80s, I suppose. We went to uh, went to uh, Finland, Sweden and Norway, you know, to have a look at all this new stuff. New rocket drill, actually. We went to have a look at the new rocket drill. And we went to, uh, we got taken to this tunnel contractor in Norway and for a start, he didn't want to talk to us, you know, he was a bit apprehensive and that, but when he realised we are from Australia and we weren't going to, you know, cause him any harm, he started opening up a bit with us, you know. <coughs> and this was a pretty big bloody tunnel, like, I mean, it was for two-lane traffic, you know, and pretty high. And they had bloody massive jumbo there with also three boom with another boom for charging. And those guys there, when they were boring out, they were charging, coming down the face as they were boring out, mate. No yeah, worries. right. Yeah, mm. yeah. And uh, like I mean, they had a fleet of road trucks, you know, not not underground trucks like we've got, with a nine eighty cat loader side tipper. And I tell you what, mate, these guys they could fly, and they were shock creating as well. Mm. And that the head man there was telling us they were doing one hundred and twenty meters a week. Yeah, right. Yep. yep. Any, oh, so it was, um, were they bolting the shock crate or was it just shock crate and that was it? Just shock crate and then bolt later. Yeah. 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 So, you know, we, we've got that many rules and restrictions nowadays. It's just bloody ridiculous, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, we, we do things over here. Absolutely no need for it, you know. Like, I mean, we're just dumbing everyone down and, uh, you know, it's just silly. Yeah, we're making ourselves uncompetitive, you know. You know, that's crazy. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's trying to. They're, mm. they're, also, I suppose they're nearly forced into it. They've got, to, they've got to make one rule that applies to every situation. Like, yeah. you know, and it just yeah. as you said, it just dumbs everything down too much. Yeah. Got uh, no room for know, flexibility. thing that used to amaze me is that, uh, you know, if you work your way through the system, you know, and good guys can get through pretty bloody quick from the day they first go underground to even getting on a jumbo. You know, if you've got the aptitude and you're a, you're a, you're a go-getter, you'll get there pretty quick, yeah. you know, and because you'll get recognised, you know, that you will have a go, you know. Well, if you have a look at the pile of bloody uh, modules and all the bloody procedures and shit that those, those guys have got to do nowadays, you've got a bloody stack that's six foot high. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> You know, and the manager of the mine will insist that you know them off by heart because mm. if you make a mistake down the hole, well, 
what the manager will say, oh, look, says in the procedure, that's what you're supposed to do and you've never done it. So away you go and you lose your job. Yeah. You know, how fair is that? Yeah. You know, like it. You what know, about back then when you were like, like the real early days of, um, you know, people going through that progression to get on the jumbo? What was it? What did that entail now like without the, um, you without put the bloody paper down, behind it? You put your head down and you put your ass up in the air and you worked as hard as you could. Mm. That's how you got there, that. you know, and uh, no bloody paperwork or anything like that. If you showed a bit of aptitude, you'd get ahead. You'd go further, you know. That's all you had to do, that. you know. And that way all the all the good guys rose up and the useless ones mainly left. But was it a different working culture back then? Like a to totally different, like go back to the 70s and 80s, totally different generation of just society in general no bloody ipads none of this bloody technology oh, and stuff no, is it, was, it, it was, totally different work oh, ethics yeah completely bloody different you know jesus like everybody drank and you know everybody smoked <laughs> you know it was you know, and like i say you know all like probably three quarters of the workforce i work with all come from europe they're all europeans you know spaniolas and italians like i said before you know and like, I mean, they were all bloody good men, you know, all them Croatians and that. They were bloody excellent blokes, you know. Well, but so they, and they, was it, they all come over here for mining? Why was there such a high percentage of Europeans at that oh, stage? Oh, they come across to the Snowy Mountains. Ah, okay. They yeah. work in the Snowy Mountains. And then they come over go, to Because WA. that flashed all around the world, you know. Go to Australia, there's good money there. Yeah, right. You know, so that's where they all went. Yeah. And of course, as that wound down, you know, in the late 60s and the mid 70s, basically all over, they all ended up in the mines, you know. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. I've always <coughs> wondered that. I've just never asked. Yeah. There you go. No, that no. answers that. Well, to give you an idea of what it was like, when 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 they picked the crews for this uh, that twin shaft sink I was telling you about at Douglas Park up the back of Wollongong, the, uh, the oldest guy in the crew got the braceman's job. Didn't matter how good he was. Because he was the oldest, he got the easiest job. Yeah. You know, and I remember my braceman, yeah, God, you know, he, he would have been in his 40s anyway, not that old, you know, and all the rest of us would be down the bloody hole, you know. <coughs> but every Friday night, mate, we'd come up out of that hole and our braceman used to make his own wine. He'd bring a couple of flagons of bloody red wine <laughs> in and he'd, we'd, we'd all bring in meat and eggs and everything and he'd cook up a great big bloody feed for us. So every Friday night shift, mate, we'd be legless. We'd go back down that that mine just before the bosses turned up for work <laughs> and finish the shift off. <laughs> oh, but isn't it funny, like, because you talk about back in those days, like, everyone was bloody just no breath eyes. Everyone's drunk after time or bloody pretty borderline when they're going to work. But was it was there any difference in incidents or the way, like, accidents or injuries or anything? Or Yeah. All the stuff that we've gone through over the last 15, 20 years, I don't reckon has made a hell of a lot of difference, yeah. you know. Well, what has made a lot of the difference, probably ground support, I assume, is the biggest change that's got, to... That's got better. There's no worries about that. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, like I mean, I was, uh, there's about three big things that sort of happened in my time that made things a lot better. And the first was getting a, a decent electric hydraulic jumbo. Yeah. 
The next was split set bolts. Split set bolts was the best thing since sliced bread. You know, when, when I was, when, when, when they were introduced, that was a whole new world to us. You know, we could really motor along then, you know. Because well, before that, it was all those, um, like the, well, the it was bloody all solid bar, and, solid bar and, and you'd wind uh, them up and all that know. shit. Yeah, and it was bloody hard work, you know. Yeah. And you had to stop all the time. And, you know, with the split set, you can put the bloody holes in when before you bore the face out, whack them in and away you go, you know. Yeah. Whereas it was all stop, start, stop, start previous to that, you know. When did the split sets come in? When when about was that? Oh, in the uh, in the eighties, yep. early early eighties. Yeah, no, that was best idea ever. And the next big change, I reckon, that made a huge difference after that was uh, getting a thousand volts underground. And thank Alan Hahn for that. As in Hahn Electrical. Yeah. That's, yeah. Right. Yeah. It was Alan Hahn that pushed for all that, and it was the best bloody thing that happened after the split sets. Yeah. Well, you got to remember, you know, one of them mugs I was telling you before was at, uh, when we were at the Parry Decline. Well, let's let's have a look at these while we're discussing here. Let me find the Parry one. Here it is. Well, you know, we were doing all that, you know, on 450 volt. You know, when you're knocking out, we average 60 metres a week in that decline, single yeah, heading, single all heading. the way. 2,000 decline metres and the total of 2,826 from 17th of November 86 to 27th October 87. That's when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> Average advance of 61.1 metres a week. David Law, decline foreman. Mm. How good's that? Mm. That's a bloody ripper. Well, you see, like, I mean, you know, every 300, 350 metres, you had to move your substation down with the old, you know, 415 or 450 volts or whatever you want to call it. You know, so when when the thousand volt was introduced, all that went out the door. You know, you you only moved your substation. You know, you could go bloody two or three thousand meters yep. before you needed to do all that stuff. You know, so even back then when we were doing that, you're constantly stopping because you had to, because your electricity couldn't keep up with you. You know, yeah. So you know when Alan Hahn introduced the uh, all that thousand volt and Peter Bartlett was another one to push for it, you know, because, yeah, typical mines department, nobody wanted to change or anything like that. So that that was good for the industry, really good for the industry. So what was the third? Oh, that was the third. Oh, so we had- Decent electric hydraulic jumbo. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, you know, yeah, more split bad. Split set yeah. bolts yeah. and your thousand bolts. Yep. Power system. Oh, tele remote bogging would have to be pretty up there too, wouldn't it? Like for mm. these days, compared yeah. to bloody yeah, yeah. Because how did you um? It was probably a lot of lot of manual bogging back then, wasn't it? When we remote now, it was totally different. Or was there yeah. was there always rules uh, in place for? Well, a lot of the stakes were designed a little bit different too, though. You know, so you had draw points and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, done away with all that extra mining activity you had to do. Yeah, you know, you had to, you know, put haulage drives and access drives, and you know, draw points going into your ore bodies and all that type of thing. But all that sort of, you know, went out the window a bit, and when you could directly access it with uh, with your remotes. Yeah. You know? So yeah, yeah that right. was a so fairly like big instead of Like now, it's just like one entry, just bought one the bloody old thing. Yeah, you had multiple before, yeah. did you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. right. Eh? Yeah. 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 And you retreat out. 
it's pretty unbelievable what they do now. Like you got one bloke on the surface, they you literally just go and chuck the bogger at the start of the level, put the lanyard yeah. up and yeah. give him a call on the radio, like inspect the level, say, yep, good to go. And he's got five boggers, he or she's got five yeah. boggers going from yeah. the surface now. Yeah. On non-stop, and it's all autopilot when they get there. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable yeah, yeah. what that's progressed to now. Yeah, it's, well, um, you know, that stuff's been around for a long, long time, but it just never really, you know, got into Australia in a big way, you know, for a long time. It took a long time for all that stuff to get here. Yeah. I can remember being in Europe and, uh, in the, you know, in the late 80s, looking at jumbos that were all fully automatic. You know. Yeah, right. Oh, what yeah. year was that, did you say? About 88. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Fully automatic Atlas Copco jumbos. And there was one guy there, he was looking after, uh, <coughs> I think he was looking after three jumbos. Yeah. And like, I mean, all he had to do was change bits because when the penetration rate got too slow, the bit was obviously knackered. Yeah. So the jumbo would pull out or, you know, that boom would pull out. And the guy'd go in and change the bit in it, and then just push the button away and go again. Geez, that's unbelievable. I think we, um, yeah, we, we probably Australia thinks they're a lot better than they are. Like, like all that, it's amazing how long that stuff's been around. To, well, to a lot of our, it, it's knowledge. been around, been around for a long, long time, but nobody minds the way Australians do. We're miles ahead of everyone, mate. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, no, um, I don't think. Um, I just cannot see how. Auto, like the automations, the, anything to do with automation and bloody electrical stuff, or like for specifically for jumbos and development, how you'll ever be as quick as what one one operator can do about well, much boring you know, these days. See, see, the thing is, in Europe, all those jumbos mainly go to tunneling contracts. Mm. They don't go to mines. Now, I remember we, uh, one guy I was talking to, was it was in Italy actually, and a big it was a big road tunnel. And uh, <coughs> I said to the guy, oh, do you sell many jumbos here? And he said, oh, we sold 27, you know, last year. And I said, well, how many mines have you got in Italy? And he said, oh, there's only one underground mine. And I said, well, where do they all go? And he said to me, well, at the moment in Italy, there's 67 tunnelling contracts going on. He said, that's where they all go. Yeah, right. Yeah. So in a situation like that, you can automate them because it's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. All the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right. So. I suppose there, there's wouldn't be that much tolerance in tunnelling for bloody, yeah, yeah, everything has to be pretty smack on, eh? Yeah, well, yeah. you know, the, the, the tighter you keep, you know, on your controls, on your outside rings and everything, is less concrete you have to put in there later, you know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's all about saving money and, you know. When the bloody uh, jumbo-wise back in, Back in the heyday, when did it start? Was it when it obviously just started as boring only? When did it start sort of gravitating towards what it is now with the bolt mesh and, and boring with the one with the one jumbo? Was it? What, how did that whole transition oh, split occur? Split set started that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I say. Split sets completely transformed, you know, underground mining, you know, development. You know, they were just so bloody handy. So easy to put in, you know, that it was, it was just a godsend. It mm. really was, you know. What about when did, mesh, when did mesh make its way in? Was it always getting used but sparingly or? 
in odd places, yeah, where the ground was shitty, we used to put up mesh. Yeah. But if it didn't need it, we never done it, mm. you know. Uh, there was a bit of a task force set up. I can't remember when this happened. I think it might in the late 90s maybe or in the late 90s. There was a bit of a task force set up, you know, on, all pushed by the mines department, of course, you know, of meshing everything, you know, just doing it whether it needed it or not. Uh, there was a lot of people on that task force who were against that, of course. You know, why do it when you don't need to? Why spend all that money, you know? But, you know, they got their way and that's when it all come in. When did when did it come in? Oh, I would have to say late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Around then. Because yeah. I was away for three years in the middle of the 90s. <coughs> and everything changed in Australian mining while I was away. Yeah. I went to France for three years with Elton and... Uh, when I left, it was all eight-hour shifts, and when I come back, it was all twelve-hour shifts. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> they must have been like, right, we'll get all this shit done while laws is always is overseas. <laughs> I know there's still a few guys around that are pretty shitty over what happened. Yeah, with all that mesh business, mate. Don't worry about that. Yeah, it's um, a lot of guys high up in the industry. Yeah, yeah. it would have been because um, we. I just don't think like. Us, us younger ones now would have got no. You look back on what you guys would have to have done with, um, you know, scaling off the muck pile, reading the ground, the, all the mesh and everything just oh, take, takes it takes it away from us. Now we, yeah. our ground understanding is probably shit ass yeah. compared to what you guys were nobody, back in the day. Uh, nobody understands it. You know, I could, yeah, really good guys. You know, you know, guys like fucking Peter Renton and that. I've seen him go into a jumbo face and he'd just look at the face and wouldn't even put a reamer in it. Yeah. He'd just have a look where all the cracks are running, you know, and he'd just wedge them out and bang a few holes around it. Yeah, it, right. It would yeah. come out just as neat, you know. Yeah. Same with, you know, some of those good earlier guys like Bubs Butler and all them, you know. They're pretty to watch, all those guys, mate, I'll tell you. Mm. You know, mm. Yeah, got him. I've, um, he's he's come highly recommended too. Uh, Stan was saying try to get bubbly. He's over east, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure where he is now. Still going in the air leg comps, but didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's unreal. Yeah, I saw that guy in a three meter. I think it was it might have been two and a half or two and a half drives at Talfa. You know, and an eight hour shift, he would fucking bore, charge, fire, bog out, and get it ready for boring the next day. Yeah, know, really. An yeah. eight hour shift. By himself. Yeah. He was pretty to watch, mate. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah. What makes um, what makes an air legger be able to achieve that? Like, because oh, I gather you can't be running around like a chook with your head cut off. You got to. They've got to be very, very smart and efficient. I gather to do yeah, that. They are. They're very efficient. They look after their gear. You know, everything's neat, tidy. Don't trip over anything. You know that. And, you know, like I say, they read the ground, they look at what they got in front of them and they understand it, you know. And uh, But all those really good miners like that, fairly big boys too, mm. you know, like, I mean, they're strong. Yeah. yeah they're but then it's boys. not, it wouldn't, uh, you drop a few holes out to try and save time. It's not as forgiving air leg when you go up to a butted face sitting right on top of your head. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, those guys wouldn't do that. You know, they wouldn't leave a mess for themselves. Yeah. You know, they'd make sure they do it right. You know, that's a big difference. Yeah. You know, 
other guys taking shortcuts and stuff like that, you know. Get nowhere doing that. Mm. All it does is buck you up the next day you come in. Yeah, no, I'm still yeah. learning, still learning that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you have a couple of bad weeks. You're like, I'll just try this, and yeah, not nah, right. I'll go. Yeah, what was I doing? Yeah, yeah lost lost yeah. a week of playing around. Yeah. yeah. What um now the Elton States is how was that your biggest biggest tenure over here? How long did you do with what was that? Sort About of thirteen biggest? years with Elton. Yeah. Best company I ever worked for. Yeah. Best. Uh, they were just so good. And they, they treated you well too. You know, the men were all looked after, you know. You, you know, they were good. They would put on do's for you and piss-ups and, you know, there's none of this stuff like there is nowadays. You can't do this, you can't do that. You know. Back then you'd done what you wanted to do, you yeah. know. Yeah. And they were all good guys, all the guys at the top, and Elton, you know, Graham Smith, people like that. They were bloody excellent men, you know. Because who, who owned Elton's? How did that work? Was it private company? Or? Yeah, it was a private company. Oh, they did float eventually. But, uh, yeah, no. Graham Smith, Barry Patterson, he died just recently. He was a good bloke. And I uh, oh, forget the other guys now. Oh, I know their names are just not on the tip of my tongue. So there were four of them, and they kicked that company off and, uh, and went from strength to strength. Like, that was massive, you know. Like, I mean, Christ, I remember one stage with all the open pits in the underground, I think we had about 25 contracts going on around Australia. Yeah, right. Oh, so they were doing open pit as well, weren't oh, they? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they were good at it. You know, they were really good at it. So, you know, I, one stage, they had about $3 billion worth of work on the books, you know. Like, it was... And that's back $3 billion back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, it was Best company ever to work for. When, when you started with them, what um, position were you, what level were you, were you at in the whole thing? Was that when you were foreman, managing, or? I was a foreman, but I was in charge of the decline. Yeah, uh, you know, I was like a site manager, I suppose. Yeah, just like a site manager. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I never worked anything less than that without them, I don't think. Right. So, yeah, I went over there basically as a site manager and and then oh, stayed with them for 13 years. Yeah. And the only reason I left left them was because all the old original guys were all pulled out, you know. And it eventually became Henry Walker Alton, you know, and that was the biggest mistake they ever made in their bloody lives. <laughs> What did they merge for? What what was the whole thing there? Money or? Oh, I've got half an idea, but I wouldn't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Might get myself into trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, it's all I hey, you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> yeah. Well, wouldn't it? I'll look back at um, they were like jumping forward a bit, but when we went like De Grusa, yeah. when we were there, ACM was there, and like. It was like a bit of, like, from what I gathered, just looking at his, it was like a little Elton's family reunion, wasn't it? Like a lot of- Yeah, there was a, a few, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. obviously Simesy was underground manager yeah. and like- Yeah, It was- um, Oh, you try to cultivate that sort of culture, you know. You want, you know, it's hard to do that now because of the way things are. But if you've got a culture in your workforce that everyone's for you, you know, and they're proud to be working there, you know. That's that's 
you know, you've got a job nearly done, you know, when you've got a workforce like that. Yeah. And it's hard to get that nowadays, to get that sort of camaraderie and culture, you know. How did you do it back then? What was your bloody edge? You obviously had a bit of a knack for it. A lot of people followed you around for a lot of years. Yeah, well, they got paid well, you know. They, some of the operators and bugger drivers and all that all got paid pretty good bloody money. <laughs> but we looked after them as well, you know. There were lots of booze-ups and parties and, you know, all that type of thing, you know. Because uh, Kalgoorlie way back then days was... It was a lot different, you know, if you're only working eight-hour shifts and five days a week, you know, maybe six days a week, you might do a day shift or something like that on a Saturday. But, you know, Friday night was men's night out, Saturday night was take your wife out, and Sunday was uh, kids, you know, your wife and kids, barbecues and stuff like that. So it was all Monday to Friday then, a lot of residential Monday to Friday. Not, not all of it, but a lot of it, yeah, yeah. but, you know. And you, you know, you encouraged everyone to be a part of all that, you know, and most people did, yeah. you know, yeah. And uh, even on sites, you know, like I mean, you know, you always told you, you told you guys that you guys are the best, you know. There's <laughs> no one better than you guys. <laughs> yeah, and half the time it was true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were good. Yeah, when you were on. Um when you're talking about on sites, when I gather that means when you weren't residential, what sort of rosters was everyone doing? It was all two then? and one then. Yeah. Except when we went to Telfer. Telfer, that was a bit of a bitch. Even they were only doing eight hour shifts when we first went to Telfer. We were still doing 13, was it, I think it was 13 weeks on, one week off. Oh, that was hard going, mate. Yeah, right. Why yeah. was that? Getting people in and out. There was only one little jet plane that used to go up there. Only held nine or ten people, you know. And there was, you know, they had to fix up all the airport and everything to get the big planes up there, and and it just never ever happened, you know. Yeah. So we couldn't get the guys out even if we wanted to. Yeah, right. You know, you're getting a bit stir crazy by the end of that. Ooh, yeah, that caused a few dramas. Well, I was anyway. A few divorces would have come out of that, eh? A few divorces, <laughs> that's for sure. Mine included. Yeah, right. Oh. Bloody hell. Because yeah, that was um, just operating like a normal town then, wasn't it? Telfer? It was, but but where all the guys got put was what they called the con camp, which was uh, about a kilometre out of town, sat down in the middle of the bloody bush. And uh, basically uh, treated the guys like bloody animals, really. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was pretty bad for a start up there. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it was. It was bad. They just put these dongers down there. There was no paths. There was no, you know, covering, keep the sun off the guys. It was, it was pretty bad. It was pretty woeful what they done to us. Up there, mate. And bloody, did you have aircon or something? Yeah, the rooms had aircon. Oh, oh, you right. wouldn't get to sleep if oh, yeah, that. fucking. Oh, I did two eight two years up there. Fuck, but it was hot. Oh, bloody hell! Next level. When we put the portal in there it was uh, it was uh, February or March, might have been March. <coughs> and in the shade at the bottom of the pit was fifty two degrees every day. Holy shit! And we yep. put the friggin' portal in and that. Yeah. Nearly bloody killed us, I tell you. Oh, shit. <laughs> Far out. Wasn't there, because wasn't there, you, 
there was ill unionized up there or something. Like Elton, Elton wasn't, but wasn't everyone else unionized up there? They were, but they, a union guy come to uh, come to site to see me and wanted to uh, talk to the guys, and I said to him, I said, I think you'll be wasting your time, mate. And he says, it doesn't matter. He says, I'm with such and such a union. I forget what it was now. And he says, I still want to talk to the guys. It's my right to talk to the guys. I says, all right, then. I'll get them all lined up for you, you know, three o'clock this afternoon, ship change. So anyway, I told the guys what was going on, so they all assembled there, you know, and, and uh, out the back, this union guy <coughs> got up there, started to speak. Gary Brooks yelled out, how much money are we going to get? <laughs> <laughs> this guy said, oh, well, I forget what it was now, but it was what I think the money he was talking about was what a truck driver would get, you know. And uh, and Brooksy yelled out, he said, what? This guy said, yeah, that's a good wage for up the northwest. Brooksy said, we're not working for that. Piss off. He said, come on, boys, let's go to work. And they all walked out the door and left him standing there. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely no idea yeah, yeah. of uh, you know what we were like. Nah, it was pretty tough going up there for a start. Yeah, uh, but we wound her up. We got to go. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, it was um. You God, you would have the Elton days. You would have worked with some bloody characters, I should. No, some hard <laughs> cases, all right. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know they they were all a part of the industry. You know. Oh, Mick Norton. Ever heard of a guy called Mick Norton? Mick Norton, no. No, he's a hard case. Uh, he'd be long retired now. I think he's still alive. God, he was a hard case. He was a fairly bad drunk. But, like, I mean, he could operate any machine you put him on. If you looked at his handwriting, it was perfect, you know. But, you know, the stuff here just <laughs> knocked shit out of him, you know. Yeah, hard case. I was driving back from the tip in Kalgoorlie one day. I don't know whether I should say that. <coughs> but I saw this body lying in the gutter and I was driving back and I pulled I thought, Christ. I thought, that looks like Mick. So I pulled the ute over. This is Sunday afternoon. And sure enough, here's Mick lying in the gutter. I rolled him over and said, Mick, are you all right, Mick? And he looked up at me and he says, oh, he says, miracles do happen. <laughs> 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 Picked him up, put him in the ute. <laughs> Took him back to the pub he was living in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you have many? Um, how many, how many sites you reckon you 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 managed in your thirteen years? Like like in that time with Elton, how many sites you reckon you went through? Uh, well, there was there was uh, Patty Ryan, me and uh, Tony Soren, and I think we had about eighteen contracts, and we used to split them up between us. You know, we we I'd have Bronzewing, Canaanabelle, Black Swan. What was the other one I had? Oh, Rocky's Reward at Leinster. Yeah, they they were my responsibility. And had a long hole drill rig out at MU. So you know, every week I'd go for a drive around a lot of them. You know, Tony would do the same. And and did did you? Keep those contracts for that whole thirteen years. Oh or no, they, no, no, shop no, no, no. They'd all come and go. Yeah, you know, I. Uh, <coughs> uh, well, uh, 
across, what was that shaft sink just north of uh, Leinster? God, I can't remember now. Oh, bloody memories going. But basically, when I come over to Alton, I went to the Parry Decline, then down to Mount Pleasant, which is about 60 clicks north of Kalgoorlie. That's, that was that other one. Uh, God, where did I go after that? Can't think now. Well, you got France in there. That was three years. Because the Alton, you know, they bought a gold mine over there. So we went across and fixed all that, joined up. Took the shaft down another 50 or 60 metres, set up new loading stations and everything down the bottom. And away we went. That, mm, that, was, a, that was a bit of an experience, but... <laughs> bit different over there yeah what's it like going to bloody give us a bit of an idea what it's like going to a gold mine in france well you know they you know they, they were reasonable guys you know they certainly haven't got the work ethic that we would have you know but they'd have a go some of them were pretty good you know and it's different ground very soft and all limestone you know it's not really hard like it is over here no, no, they were all right. No, I didn't mind them. Social life was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd imagine so. Yeah. Bloody, uh, plenty, plenty of champagne, I gather. No, <laughs> uh, bloody red wine and stuff like that. I can't touch the stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go across there and start drinking it like beer. Yeah, yeah. That's a big mistake, I tell you. <laughs> Did you have your sort of, I guess, your, go your golden chart, like your golden cruise and pack of blokes that sort of followed you around you yeah, with your jobs some, at all there were some really good guys you know bloody hell if I think back people like Gary Brooks Mick Roden bloody well on that job there was Gary Mick and uh, Cowboy Anderson three jumbo operators and they were uh, <coughs> real go-getters you know want to get the meters and the guys behind them you know like adam riley was one of the bogger drivers graham Haig, who was the other one oh Trelaw, what was his first name the trog anyway you know well bruce pacey was uh loader driver they were all excellent loader drivers and all those guys ended up on jumbos a whole lot of them so you know they they were good snowy turner bloody hell good man mate you know, there was, oh, there's been lots and lots of good guys, you know, fucking hell. But are you amazed that Snowy's still going on the jumbo? Well, I don't think Snowy knows how to stop, mate. <laughs> I've no, never met him. But there's I'll, no stop button there's on no, Snowy. There's no zero. No. <laughs> Bloody hell, he's a good man, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, top man. Mm. Yeah. it's um. I think Peter Renton was another one that was really, really good. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, guys that worked under me the foreman and that you know like peter renton and uh and mick roden you know they they were just tops mate yeah and you know then you've got guys like um jeff flack bloody you know they're they're all older guys now but they know it all you know you know they know what to do mm. when to do it how to do it you know and that's important you know yeah, that's really important. It's such a such a massive resource to tap into for us young fellas. Like like the knowledge that guys from that era when as you said, like you're talking about these jobs 
when I was born, like just on the year I was born, born before yeah. I was born, you know. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, call well. yourself a minor these days, uh, like because you've been doing You'll it You'll be my years age of- one day, mate. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, but it's just- funny when you look back, you think, Jesus, that went quick. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> my word. Yeah, my word you do. Yeah. Mm. Funny. What about um, also uh, – once the bloody once the the jumbo jobs finished, then the the infamous Pecky come in for the long bring the long hole in at Elton's, didn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's funny you talk about that. The one of the hardest things that I ever found when I was running a job was to get guys, you know, your foreman and your ship bosses and that, to understand just how important your long hole drilling was, because. A lot of those guys just came up either on an air leg or a jumbo and they never had anything to do with, you know, with, you know, getting the dirt out the hole, you know. It was, yeah. That was never part of their, never part of what they done. And I was constantly onto the guys, you know, you have to look after these people. And I still reckon even today it's a travesty we don't pay our uh, long hole drillers enough money. <clears throat> when I, you know, when I'm just looking through, you know, because stuff comes up on me phone all the time, you know, through Seek and all that, bloody, they all want long hole drillers, you know. Well, it's your own bloody fault that you haven't got them, you know, mm. the way you treat them, you know. And uh, they never train anyone, or they didn't for years, you know. But it's the and- most critical part of the bloody operation in terms of for for a client of course and, it and is. like you know you can get all yeah. the flash meters and and get there yeah. quickly but if you if you're spraying Still fucking get holes and, bridging, and yeah. if you're bridging stopes you, you've yeah. wasted all that energy yeah. getting there because you yeah. left half the fucking thing in there yeah, yeah. <laughs> no and i used to try and look after the long hole drillers you know because too hard to bloody get and uh, i can rip waluna and play that's where i went after that i went to waluna but after waluna uh, you know, I got, uh, you know, I started training guys there, you know, all the time, putting d- different guys on it, see how they'd go. Because just like it takes a special type of person to be a good jumbo operator, it takes a special type of person to be a good long hole driller too, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not the flash's job, you know, you got to sit there all day and play, rah, 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 you know what it's like, you know, sitting on a machine like that. But that job is so important, you know. That is so bloody important, and people don't, you know, give it its just desserts. I don't reckon, especially when you say you got to go uh, chuck a quick drain hole in. Yeah, yeah, they can bloody, you know. You remember watching old Pecky, like you know, you might miss first one. Oh yeah, I reckon we go there. And we're like, mm. oh yeah, if you say so, bang straight through. Mm. Years, years of experience collaring them, getting yeah. them going. Like you know, yeah. someone else could bloody waste. A sh- shift and a half oh, and poke yeah. five holes in it and they oh, don't fucking sure. break out anything. Yeah, any, yeah, no, that's dead right. You know, that's, that's what I say. I don't think enough emphasis is put on those guys, you know. We should we should train more up and we should look after them a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. He's um he'd be I think he referred to himself. He says he was your golden child, Pecky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well. Yeah, no, I did look after him. But I looked after a lot of other people too. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> what about I'll, 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 I can, I can just imagine old Mickey Rat back on the jumbo back then. He's got a, he's got a, he's got too much bloody energy in him now. I couldn't imagine him when he was, uh, when he was a bit younger. 
just 100 yeah. mile an hour, was he? Oh, yeah. Well, they yeah. all were, though, all the good ones. Yeah. You know, they ran everywhere, you know. You just had to get the, had to get the car. <laughs> that was it, you know. <laughs> So when you when the I guess the the HWE thing El, Elton's finished, mm. when did it, when did you start sort of I guess your involvement in ACM and how that uh, all how that all no, came about? I went, about, or I went to work for Peter Bartlett after I left Elton. I went to Barmenko for uh, almost ten years. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, like working for Barmenko. And. Uh, and when Brian started ACM, I don't know, I had done a few jobs. So when it was, must have been about nine, uh, 2000, I suppose, about the year 2000, started with ACM. Yeah. Oh, I'll be after that. Oh, no, it's got to be way after that. Well, I had about 10 years, about 15 years ago, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What was the, I guess, the vision of, you know, ACM start, like, you know, because you had, you burnt up Bar Minko, like big contractors already established. What was mm. the, I guess, the vision of getting ACM going? And, uh, you know, was, was there big, big aspirations for it? Was it like, we got to get all the Elton's boys back? We'll do, like, because, like, I'll say this to everyone. I like, I've mm. been with ACM at DeGrosser and did the did a startup gig at Fortnum with them, and their standards of running services and everything are just, no yeah. one beats it. Because yeah. it's driven, it's all yeah. driven from the top down. Like yeah. their standards yeah, yeah. of work was yeah. bloody. Yeah, this is how we want it done. Yeah, and that's yeah. don't accept anything less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, you know, I can't speak for Brian Roden, you know, but uh, but uh, you know, it would have been nice to see that really go ahead a lot more. You know, I, you know, what can I say? You know. I got to be careful what I say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to, uh, you know. But you know, for me, you know, when when I've seen, you know, good operators, you know, higher, a lot higher than me, on what they do and how they do things, I still reckon Brian Raiden's the best I've ever seen. And you can put the whole bloody lot of them in there. In terms of like Matt, like. Uh, like business and management side of things. Well, like knowing how to, knowing how to get the bloody job done properly. Yeah, you know, the right gear, right people. You know, what you should be concentrating on, what's important, what's not. You know, I still reckon he's 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 the best operator that I've ever seen. Love him, I hate him. He is bloody good at his job. Yeah. Mm. And you know, like I mean, when you're in the uh, when you're in the contracting game, you make friends, but you also make enemies too, mate. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you so. don't you don't see any business many business people that haven't pissed someone off along the way. <laughs> yeah, no worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it would have must have been a good part of the like you know getting to the back the back end of your career and your, your time with ACM pretty much. Well, you'd nearly consider it as yeah. Brian's right hand man running the ops yeah. manager for the yeah. jobs and site yeah. manager when they needed you. Like, must have been a good, yeah, a good way to finish yeah. your career, really, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. You know, oh, look, I enjoyed working for Brian. You know, because uh, he's really hands on, mate. You know, it's not like when you work for other companies and you never ever see the boss or you never talk to him or anything like that. Mm. 
<coughs> you don't get that with Brian. Brian's talking to you all the time and, you know, you're informed, you know, you know what's going on, you know, you know, and it makes you feel better, you know, because you, you really feel a part of it, you know. And, you know, I used, to, I used to do that to the guy at our weekly meetings and that, you know, around the table. I'd always tell the guys, you know, this is what we want, what we want to try and do. And, you know, and I always try and keep them informed, all my foremen and, you know, all that, because I reckon it's important that they know what, what you want. A lot of companies don't do anything like that, mate. They don't tell their people anything. You know. I suppose it gets tougher the bigger you get too, isn't it? Like ACM was a pretty, it was a good, like, tight little niche group. Yeah, the, yeah. But, like, you know, even back in the, uh, the Elton days, you know, everyone was informed, you know, and that was big, mate. Like, bloody hell. Yeah. Like, 2,000 people, mate. Yeah, right. Yeah. So everyone was always in the loop. There's no worries about that. You talk to, uh, you know, Brian is a general manager. You talk to him every day of the week, mate. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like not like other outfits where you never hear from anyone for bloody weeks on end. I only hear from them when something's going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've done something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> what about working with your brother or brothers? Stewie. Oh, Stewie's bloody excellent. Yeah. He was, um, oh, bloody, I used to just be, Stuck in his office at um, De Grosser, just like you know, fast yeah. all the story, just all the stories. I just bloody couldn't yeah. get me out. Just uh, uh, one of the best biker drivers you'll ever see. Oh, no, oh, I've yeah. heard that, yeah, yeah, yeah no, because no, he never hopped off the bogger, he did, didn't never wanted to go on the jump. No, or anything, did no, he? no, he wasn't really interested in that, yeah, yeah. What well, did he say to me? He says, he says, Look, I wasn't neat, but fuck me, I was fast, <laughs> he was. Yeah, he was reasonably neat too. No worries about that. Yeah. Yep. You know, like I mean, talk about bogger drivers. When I first went down to Tasmania, that was with Barmenko, you know, I heard all these bloody stories about, oh, it's a shithole and you know, the people are bastards and all that type of thing. But when I got down there, you know, sure, it was a bit touchy for a start, you know. Oh, here's another guy from Western Australia, you know. But anyway, after about three months, it all started coming pretty good, you know, like, I mean, and i tell you what, mate, there were some excellent men down there, yeah. you know, because they did do a lot of bogging, you know, because that's the type of mine it was, you know. You know, we used to drop, oh, I don't know, anything from five to 8,000 tonne a day we used to haul out of that joint, you know, and uh, six loaders, bloody 12 or 14 trucks, you know, and some of those guys down there, mate, they they were bloody good, I tell you. Good bugger operators, the charge up guys, done it all by hand. Mm -hmm. They were fucking hard, good blokes. Yeah. So, you know, all these wild stories I'd heard about Tasmania was all fucking bullshit. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. They were good guys. They yeah. were. Yeah. It didn't just show cause could you think you, they could have thrown you at any mine site? no matter how shit it was or how shit they told you it was and that was the i guess that was the i guess the knack you have to be as a manager like yourself you have you yeah. you, you find the best way to get it get every yeah the best out of everyone yeah and you can turn joints around yeah yeah well your job as a manager is not just you know you've got to 
you know, you've got to manage the, the people, you know, you've got to sort out. Go well, like, like when I went to Tasmania, all I did for the first, you know, two or three months is just sit and watch everyone, watch what they were doing, you know. You know, and then I'd start picking different ones out, saying, you go and do that, you go and do that, you know. I'd put guys onto the long hole drill rig, and there were other guys, you know, got taken off this job and onto a different one and everything, and it all just started come together. Yeah, right. <coughs> and we ended up, yeah, ended up doing reasonably well. Yeah. So what was your approach? More a bit of a closed door, sit back, sort of, not, not a... You sort of went about it in a quiet way, you're saying, how you sort of manage these jobs? Oh, no. You know, like, I mean, as I got older, I didn't go down the mine so much. But when I was younger, I'd be, I'd be down the mine every day. Every day. You know, and go and talk to everyone and, you know, see what's going on, you know. They all had a call sign if I was coming through the portal. <laughs> what was it back then? Oh, I don't know. Black Swan or something. <laughs> black, the what Black Swan's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been the White Swan. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do they say now? Ducks on a pond. Do you hear that one a bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I remember him saying that at DeGrosa when when Simesy was the underground manager, they'd say ducks yeah. on the pond. He'd say, don't worry about that shit. Just get back to bloody work. Were <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, you, um, did you have Nathan work under you much? Back in um, Elton's Elton days, oh, a little bit, but not much. I sort of tried to, you know, push them away to other jobs. Not good having your family working around you like yep. that. Yeah, don't agree with all that. But yeah, did a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> I brought him uh, down to Tasmania for three months uh, just to train all their jumbo operators up. You know, to you know, to a better standard. So they all knew what they were bloody doing properly. But uh, nah, other than that, not a hell of a lot, no. I heard he was pretty pretty handy on the levers, wasn't he? Oh, he was pretty good too. Yeah. yeah. Nah, he was up there with the best. Yeah. Yep. I don't no think it was him. That. That, it might have been him that told me that. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He's, uh, no, no. He, uh, he was pretty good. But... Uh, and, you know, when you've got a mesh and bolt and everything, it's, you know, it's bloody hard to fit all that into, you know, into one cycle. You know, if you went back to eight-hour shifts, I don't think you could do it these days, you know. Mm. It's bloody hard. Yeah, bloody that's hard. it. Oh, well, yeah, you're trying to maximise every bloody minute you've got yeah. underground now. Yeah. Who, yeah. Are, who are some of the best, like, I suppose you can go through each piece of machinery and management level and everything. Who are, like, when you some of the best the best people you've you've worked with along the years, best best operators you've ever worked with for each piece of oh, bloody gear and level. God, just bloody no. Nah, be tough. Yeah, that's the thing because you, you yeah. miss someone out. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, like shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, people like Gary Brooks and Mick Road, and you know, you'd take them anywhere in the world. You know, that's for sure. You know, Snowy Turner, bloody hell. You know, like I mean, there, there's just too many. Yeah. You know, and you know, and you know, you don't like to sort of, you know, otherwise you leave too many people out, mm. you know. Uh, you know, I suppose, you know, for foreman and stuff like that, Peter Renton, Mick Roden, Peter Renton, I, I really like Peter Renton. He, he was a good all-round man. He knew, he knew more than me. 
he was so bloody good, that guy. Operate anything, bloody all types of uh, air leg work, different stoping, shrink stopes, bloody whatever you like, you know, you know, room and pillow, all sorts of things. I, I, Pete had done everything, you know. No, I, I love that guy. He was, he was. I reckon he'd be one of the best guys I've ever worked with. Yeah, yeah. What was he? Um, like old, was he in the game longer than you? Were you working under him? Oh or no, probably. Or? Oh no. Well, I I only met him because I come to Elton. Yeah, you know. But he'd been around a long time before that. He'd worked up in Tennant Creek and all those mines up there and in Mount Isa, right everywhere, mate. Who were you know? some of the guys that you you crafted your trade from when when you were working through, I guess, the the guys that bloody, no, not trained you up, well, but I guess your mentors back then. Well, Christ, I can't pronounce half their names. <laughs> because most of, them were, most of them were bloody uh, were, uh, Croatians and stuff like that. But uh, a lot of it I just learnt myself on the run, you know. Like, mm. I mean, I... Uh, I, I don't know. I just seemed to be able to pick things up easy, you know. I didn't have any trouble with anything like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And in my early years, it was mainly shaft sinking anyway, you know, and level development, stuff like that. I didn't do much that, uh, like any, like, stoping with air legs or anything like that. Only development work, that's all. Yeah. You know, and a lot of that stuff I learnt, you know, I learnt from guys, you know, like Peter Renton and that, you know. So. Do you reckon you got out at the right time? Like the, the do you reckon it was just, just a, it was, it was you no, know, what you wouldn't say it's meant to be, but like, as you said, it's such a transition that like from what you guys have worked through to, to what it is now, as you said, this mountain of paperwork and bloody well, I rules think, and regs. You know, the, the management, it's not so much management now, it's HR, you know. The HR divisions nowadays are running the company. Uh, I reckon that's got to stop. And the sooner it stops, the better. Because it's just crazy, you know. you got people that get bored into HR positions in a company <coughs> that know absolutely nothing about mining. They know nothing about the mining culture. They got absolutely no idea of what sort of guy it takes to go and work underground, you know, every day of the week. They don't know that, you know. And you know, and the and the fact of the matter is, most of the guys that are down there, they're not, you know, they haven't been to university, mate. You know, most of them three or four years of high school, you know, five years of high school. You know, they don't want to read fucking Shakespeare, mate. You know, <laughs> they, they, they want to go to work and make money. Yeah. You know, and all these uh, all these HR departments and everything nowadays shit on that. They don't like it, you know. Oh, that guy's too dumb, you know. We're not going to give him a job. Well, you know. They're the best Some workers. of the best guys I've known underground are not, you know, they're no bloody Albert Einstein's, mate. Well, they're um, they're bloody. I'll just bloody turn this fan down a bit. I'm bloody even, even. I'm getting a bit chilly. You say, I say, everybody just like you want the bloke that is at the wedding every night, covered in 
tats, just yeah. loves a drink, smoke and fight like there. You gets get on there, with everyone. Gets on Doesn't with everyone. Doesn't cause any trouble. Yeah, yeah. But they just work there, living ass off yeah. down there. Yeah. And um, look, as you said, they might they might have bloody dropped out of school at year nine yeah. or ten for all you know. Yeah. No, that's Jesus right. Christ, they can work. And that's the sort of guy you want, yeah. you know. But HR departments don't see that. No, well, it's, as you said, they don't they don't present favourably to a job interview, for no, instance. No, that's underground right. Underground mining's a different. Yeah, that's a whole it's new different. world. Well, it's like a trade. It's a trade. Like see, it's that, that, see, you know, I know I shouldn't talk politics, but every politician should spend two years underground. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That'll and them will see if they talk the way they talk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but that's it. Like, you don't... Um, Oh, because we're like it's it's such a fine line these days. You want to you're trying to get everyone going, like it's like a footy team down there. You're trying to yeah. get everyone going, and as soon as you got one like yeah lagging and fucking saying, oh, this is oh, it's not my job to do whatever. Like just lets the whole yeah whole bloody team down. You need nah. you need the you need people just wanting to have a go. But then you get in trouble if you're running around having a go because there's yeah. yeah, there's rules there's rules in place yeah. that you can't have. Or, yeah. Yeah. Is that many? Well, they're taking away all the guys, uh, you know, common sense. You know, there's none of that anymore. You know, you you you're told everything now. You yeah, know, everything. You're not allowed to think for yourself anymore, and I just think that's crazy. Now, nah, well, like it's it's um the steps and everything to do everything is that incremented these yeah. days of like how you specifically have to. Yeah, you can't tell me you'll find the same bloody, yeah. <laughs> the same situation every time with every job. It's um, it's hard to apply it. Yeah, no, uh, uh, I don't know. Oh, like I said here before, the HR divisions now run the companies. Mm. And but then, of- like to be fair, with the managers and everything, there they got their ass hanging out with that much shit to deal with on site because it's got that complicated yeah. and everything. They haven't got, yeah. they often haven't got bloody time to no. recruit. And then, yeah. like, obviously, well, managers I've worked with, they'll be up at site Monday to Thursday. Then they'll go into the um, their head office on mm. Friday to interview people. Yeah. Like, Fuck, they're just. I suppose you you would have been the same. Mm. You just have to, yeah. when you're in that position, you have to live and breathe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's. Full, res- full respect to them all doing it. Like, fuck the hours they put in oh. to keep every all us blokes happy. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, yeah, there. Oh, you know, like, well, you know, like for instance, when you go to a job like Telfer, you know, like, I mean, bloody hell, you never get away from it when you're on yeah. a site like that. Oh, uh, yeah. That's just impossible. You know, yeah. Everything. <laughs> bloody God. <laughs> I, uh, funny story. Every Monday morning, <laughs> <coughs> the cab manager used to have a little high ace bus and I'd see him coming down the bloody road and he'd turn into, up to where our offices were. <coughs> and I'd go, here we go, here we go. He'd come in and see me every Monday morning and he'd have a list a mile long of all the things that he reckoned had gone wrong in the cab <laughs> over the weekend. God, mighty. So in the end, I used to go through it with the you know, it'll be say, oh, someone's pinched a bike or, you know, because the guys got sick of walking that yeah. one kilometre back to the camp. <clears throat> so in the end, I'd go through the list with her and say, oh, that's not very serious. We'll get rid of that. We'll get rid of that one. That's no, oh, that one's a bit serious. Okay, I'll see that going, mate. <laughs> you know, and this used to happen every Monday morning, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just drive me bloody mad. <laughs> I used to say to him, don't you get sick of this? And he says, oh, they tell me I've got to do it. <laughs> I said, well, why don't you just pretend to do it? 
I said, that's what we're doing now anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although, don't worry, it's still happening now. Project manager has to go back to camp and bloody make sure there well, there's curfews on shift change now because yeah. everyone's just fucked up for too long. <laughs> so it um, had to happen eventually. Yeah. But, you know, like I meant, even that, you know, like a, the guys go up there, they haven't got they haven't got a life anymore, you know. You're controlled, you know. They've got their thumb on you all the time. You mm. know? It's just... I don't know how you guys put up with it. As I said, I've taken the easy option. So any time a bloody manager revs me about anything or goes off his tits and I'll be like, no worries, mate. If you've got the guts to do your job, you can do whatever you want because it's yeah. like oh, none of us have got the yeah. – none of us are bloody making the sacrifice yeah. to do it because it's not like they're getting – they're probably getting paid less than jumbo operators, but yeah. they're, they're, the job's bloody ten yeah. times as hard mentally trying to keep everyone happy. Yeah, full full bloody credit to them all. Yeah, yeah too bloody hard. God, can you can you see looking back on it now? Forty seven years could it could have you done any different? You wouldn't wish it wouldn't wish it any different. Nah, I've what loved, an unreal career! I've loved every bit of it. Yeah, yeah, every bit of it. Is there any bits you'd say? Oh, that was oh, that was a bit hard and shit. No, because you know, because if you're doing something different, you're learning, aren't you? You're learning something all the time. Yeah, no. I suppose even Telfy, you're looking like, right, if I can make everyone stay here, I'm bloody, I've done a pretty good job. Oh, a lot of guys couldn't handle it there. But but it, it was, you know, it was hard going for a start, but it was good. That was, you know, that, that, yeah, that really that really tested us that. No worries <laughs> about that. But, you know, like, I mean, the client was a bit different. And uh, my department really didn't want that to go ahead because they were worried about the ground. Bloody, uh, did you ever hear the story about when the foot wall of the pit caved in? No. The bloody foot wall of the pit caved in one night. <coughs> and anyhow, uh, I think Maxie Sands was on the jumbo and uh, the bloody, uh, this is this happened in the dead of night, you know, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning or something. And the truckie come running down to see Max on the jumbo and said, bloody hell, Max, he said, he said, I can't see anything out there. He said, it's just a great big wall of dirt. And Max said, can you still turn the truck around and dump a load? <laughs> and the truckie said, yeah. Max said, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but when they come out in the morning, the whole pit had come, the uh, foot wall of the pit, had taken out the whole road, everything, and there was, oh, I forget now, it was about... 300,000 tonne of dirt Holy there. Holy shit. And yeah. we, uh, they had to sort of be mountain goats to get out of the joint. Yeah. They never heard that story. No, God. So in the end, the client hired a helicopter. We were going to work in a helicopter. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, they were picking Into us the pit. Into the pit. Yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> we drop, would drop the ship down, you know, then we'd take all the oars, diesel, everything we needed. Yeah. Drop it down the with a helicopter. Bloody hell, how good's that? Yeah. That's Get unreal. that going for, I don't know, about a week until yeah. they got a, got the slip all cleared and everything. Yeah. <coughs> oh, a lot of funny things happened oh, in Telfer, mate. Oh, shit. There you go. That's unreal. That was, the first, <laughs> that was the first commencement of the underground when Elton was there, was yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, very first portal. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, God, you'd be, um, oh, well, it's bloody huge now. <laughs> it's unreal, that joint. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, do you reckon you'll step foot on a mine side ever again? 
Oh, I'd just still to enjoy say, it. Oh, say no, yeah. bloody. Yeah, of course I would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I'd love it, mate. Yeah. 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 I should tell Mick tell you about the pig. No. At Telfer. No. You haven't heard that story? <laughs> well, they were having Christmas dinner up there. And, of course, being such a snobby outfit that uh, that uh, Newcrest were, in the, uh, uh, in the club up there, they had this big banquet put on for all their senior staff and bloody wives and all that sort of shit. And right in the middle of the table was this pig, you know, that had been, you know, cooked, apple in the mouth, all that type yeah. of thing. <coughs> and the guys must have been down at the sewing pool that was next door and they saw it on the table. And one of the guys sneaked over to the camp, emptied out his suitcase, came back, waited till there was no one in the hall, ran inside, pinched the whole pig off the table, <laughs> put it in the suitcase and walked out. Oh. <laughs> and they took it over to the camp and all the boys ate it for Christmas dinner. Huh? <laughs> well, I tell you what, mate, the stink that that caused, <laughs> trying to find out where this bloody pig went. <laughs> <laughs> and you were, the, you were the one trying to find it out. Uh, or did you know? Well, I know who done it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not telling you who done it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. But they deserved it up there, you know. Like, I mean, some clients are just bloody absolute assholes. You know, <laughs> uh, you know we were just treated, all treated like second-class citizens up there. Yeah. Yeah. And it did. It got better over time. Before a start, they deserved everything they got. No worries about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the bloody yeah, it wasn't the pig. Was a bit of a metaphor, right? Eh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose that's the best thing now. Like you know, you'd never see that now. Like con nah. contractors, everything. It's just all one bloody. Yeah, it's unreal. The bloody facilities and shit we have got these oh, days. Oh yeah, it's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. 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 Now all that side of it is good. That. You know, the camps they build nowadays are bloody excellent and, you know, nah, all that side of it's really good. Yeah. Oh, hopefully yeah. we see you bloody up on a site one day, mate. Come bloody uh, give give us young whippersnappers a few bloody tips down yeah. there because, <laughs> God, you're just the, the bloody well wealth of knowledge you've got after yeah. all these yeah. bloody years. Yeah, no. Uh, oh, look, I still enjoy it, you know. Talk to Nathan all the time. My other son's, you know, Martin, he's got his electrical business, you know. He's, he's, you know, involved in mining big time, you know, through that. So, yeah. so yeah, he's going all right. How'd you, um, oh, I guess, buddy, did you always want your children to get into mining? Yeah, so a lot of people say they don't want their kids to get into mining. Oh, well, yeah, no, Nathan wanted to go there, come hell or high water. Yeah, that was all right. I didn't mind that, yeah. you know. I thought uh, Martin getting an apprenticeship, or he got an apprenticeship with Alan Hahn, you know, with Hahn Electrical. So that was good, you know. And it's been good for him ever since, really, you know. He's been everywhere, so. There. Yeah. He's bloody, uh, oh, it's, getting, it's giving you a good little hobby in the retirement too, the bloody yeah. the career to get. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Working for my son now. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good stuff, mate. Well, bloody, oh, we missed one cup, actually. What's that the, one? Uh, which one was the, here you go, underground foreman Elton, Mount Pleasant decline, world record. I think Burn Cup just beat that record not long ago. Yeah, although then the Northern Star went and did it again, apparently. No, they, I don't, one yeah. of Millennium. It was Snowy and Snowy was yeah, there. Yeah, took you a long time. Oh, I think they might have been uh, 
taking cuts in stockpiles or something <laughs> just to bloody get it over the line. I don't know. A few rumours going around. Yeah. 24 days, 655 metres, May 1988. That unreal. I gather there wasn't too many bolts and mesh going well, in those ends. No, no, no mesh. Bolts in the decline, all of your drives, no bolting at all. Yeah. Yeah. But to get that record then, we were uh, we were doing four cuts a shift in total. Yeah. So we're boring firing, bogging out, four cuts a shift. Yep. Yeah. Pretty unreal. And it was a three moon jumbo. Yeah. Yeah. Was so was that three, two drilling booms and a charge boom, or no, three, no, no, three no, drilling three booms? booms. Yeah, the old chain feed. Yeah. So what did they do? Did they what did when you had to bolt? Were the air, was it air leggers bolting it, or did no. you bolt? You didn't. You bolted with the three boom. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty big decline. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Cat trucks seem to. We always used to use cat trucks them days. Not, not the low profile stuff we got now. Well, seven six nines and stuff like that, you know. Was that and was that the norm back then? They were all bigger, <coughs> yeah, big massive declines for yeah. that purpose, yeah. was it? Yeah, get the big trucks down. Yeah, right. That's still the best. I wish, I wish they'd never changed. Yeah, those cat trucks, mate, better than any bloody thing you got running around. The cat rigid body ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, much much better. What were they get? What were they pulling? How, how was the payload on them? How oh much? well, no, most most of them you get them out thirty ton on, something yeah. like that. Yeah, they weren't big, but you know you could get fifty tonners, right? Yeah, yeah. We used to get fifty tonners, uh, cut down, you know, cut down the sides and that on them and that. Yeah, right. <coughs> Those trucks are so good, and you can you can work on them easy, you know, and they're not complicated. Not like the bloody gear nowadays, you know. Oh, geez, the bloody wiring in them all. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's next level. You know, it's, you know, like I mean, fitters back then, I think, were you know, two really good fitters, Sam Adamson and uh, Wayne Cameron. I don't know, you might know Camo, do you? No, but I'd never you, heard. You of probably him. wouldn't have heard of Sam Adamson either. <coughs> when we were in Telford. Because you're a long way from anywhere, mate. Yep. And when things break down, there's only you <laughs> and what you got in the workshop to get things going again, you know. Well, Sam Adamson, he, he kept everything going up there. He was an amazing guy. Yeah. I, I don't know whether Sam's retired or not now, but I think he's got a little farm up, up the hills up there somewhere. Yeah. And Wayne Cameron's got his own business, but he was a smart bloody cookie as well. Really, really good. Mm. Oh, it's unreal. You see them mm. these days knowing the because after fitters have got that much auto electrical knowledge as well because they need it. Like it's just how everything's well, the jumbos are so complicated now, yeah, you know, yeah. But even like that's the thing once they go down the then you got the electric over hydraulic ones that are, yeah. um, yeah, even more bloody complicated in the 24 volt side of things, yeah. It's oh, yeah, the uh, good fitters just they're just. Unbelievable to watch them bloody not not this it'll be this and it's yeah. just like they're yeah. like bloody magicians. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I buy them as much piss as I can. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, that, that's where Camo was. He was brilliant at all that sort of stuff. You know, all that fault finding and how to yeah. fix it and all that. You know, yeah, he was an exceptional bloke. Ah, bloody good times. Oh, mate. Well, thanks very much. It's been bloody what is the time? Absolute yeah. honour. At the time already. Yeah. Well, that's, go there he goes. That's an hour and 40. So <laughs> I told you it bloody goes quick.
You probably need a piss and a smoke by now, so, buddy. Yeah. No, I don't need to go to the loop. <laughs> no, thanks very much. Right? No, thanks yeah, very much. Yeah, Bloody right, awesome. Mate. I really appreciate you coming along. Yeah. Uh, absolute cracker. Oh, uh, you know, uh, it's a great business to be in. Yeah. Yeah, that is, you know, and you meet the best people, you know, best people ever. Yeah. There's no no other business I know where the camaraderie, you, uh, only in the army or something like that, would you get the same camaraderie where, you know, where you get along well with everyone. Yeah. Because you have to. Yeah, or well, you're stuck in the bloody desert with them. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be hard if you don't. Yeah. 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 Nah, thanks very much, mate. You'll have to bloody butter up Stewie for me. He might listen to this and say, oh, I'm not going to let him, <laughs> let Dave, my brother, have the last word. So. <laughs> nah, too easy, mate. I'll let you bloody stretch the legs. Yeah, I need it too.